one of the most popular verses in the Bible. In fact, it's one of my favorites. It's Romans 8, 28. And oftentimes when we review this verse, we do so because there's a promise in it. And we get all excited about this verse, and we only cover the first half of it, which says this, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Now, like I said, oftentimes we stop right there and we don't finish it. So let me explain the first half of this verse. It says that we know, uh, meaning that we don't guess, we don't hope, we don't wish, we don't speculate. We know. We know what? That in all things, not just the good things, but in all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It says that in all things, in, not Not after them, not before them, in the midst of those things. We know that in all things, God works. God is always working. He never sleeps or slumbers. Jesus in John 5 says, the Father is continually working, and I am working also. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. It's not saying that everything is good. Obviously, It's not. There's a lot of wickedness and evil in this world. But God says, I'll take the the bad and the ugly, and I will bring good out of it. Now, a lot of times we stop at that point in this verse. Thank you, Jackie. That is very nice of you. Oh, give it up for her. That's a servant. A lot of times we stop at that point in the verse, but it goes on and it says this, who have been called according to his purpose. Now I want you to circle the word purpose and called because those two things go together. That is what we are going to be covering over the next six weeks. We're gonna be talking about your calling We want you to pick up the phone. Now, if I were to say to you the word call, what would be some things that would come immediately to your mind? Maybe you need to make a call, right? Uh, I need to call out for pizza, okay? The football games are starting. I gotta call out for pizza. Or it might be receive a call. I, I I gotta receive a call from my mom. I'm getting a call from my friend right now. You might think of a cell phone. Now, I have to be honest with you. I hate the phone. I am a person, people person. When the phone rings, it's always, in my mind, an interruption. Either I'm relaxing and someone on staff is calling. When they call, I answer all the time. Oh, boy. Okay, God. Or I'm in midst of a meeting or I'm working on a message. A phone is an interruption to me. As far as I'm concerned, I like the old days. It was on the wall. You could walk away from it and you didn't have to be bothered, right? The second reason why I don't like phones is because a lot of times when people call, it's bad news. They they never call with good news. Pastor George, I want you to know I just won the lotto, $300 million, and I'm making up my tithe for the last 20 years. That never happens, okay? No, it's always bad news. Someone has died. Someone is in the hospital. Someone has cancer. I deal with people in pain all the time, 24-7. So I look at the phone as either an interruption or something that's going to be communicated in the way of bad news. But let's just say 
One day you get a phone call and you're thinking that it's an interruption. You're thinking that it's uh, uh, some bad news. But instead, it's publisher clearinghouse sweepstakes. And you have just won $300 million. Wouldn't you answer that phone? Sure you would. Well, what if God called you? Let me give you a little tip. If God calls you today, don't let it go into call waiting. And don't let it ring and ring and ring and ring. Don't let it go into voicemail. Answer it. Now here's the deal. The verse that we just read said this, that God has already called you. It says you've been called Past tense, according to his purpose. Now, a few verses down from Romans 8, 28 is verse 30. And notice this. Those that God predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Will you circle three words, predestined, justification, and glorification? We are going to talk about those three words. Those are big, huge theological words. But today, what I want to do is I want to focus in on just one word, called. You have been called, past tense, according to his purpose. What does it mean to be called for his purpose? Well, the word called in the Greek is kaleo. It is used over a hundred times in the New Testament. And most of the time, it's referring to your assignment, your purpose, your mission in life, the reason that God created you. The word calling is used 10 times more than the word purpose. It's interesting, this word call in the Latin is voce. It's where we get vocation, the word vocation. Vocation and calling are the same thing. Now, here is the challenge in our culture. Over the years, vocation has come to mean, instead of calling, it has come to mean your job or your career. Now, let me be very clear. Your calling is not your job, and it is not your career. It is something bigger than your job. It is something larger than your career. The Bible is filled full of stories about God calling people. God called Noah. God called Abraham. God called Nehemiah. He called Jeremiah. He called Isaiah. He called Daniel. You get to the New Testament. He called Peter, Paul, and Mary. Oh, come on. And folks, he's called you. And my prayer for you is that you will understand the very calling that God has on your life. Truly, I want this church to begin to create a movement where we can talk with other people and ask them, what's your purpose in life? And where we will be able to say, this is what I've been created for. These five things, but this is my primary one here. Because this results in hope. 
I want you to take a look. We're in a year of hope, are we not? And we have defined hope this way. It's when you and I stop listening to our feelings and we start listening to the word of God, praying over the promises of God. And now the third component as we fulfill the purposes of God, falling on his character. Take a look at Ephesians 1 and how Paul ties this in. My prayer is that light will flood your hearts and that you will understand, will you circle this phrase, the hope that was given to you when God called you. Then you will discover the glorious blessing that will be yours together with all of God's people. Folks, hope comes in our life, not only as we listen to the word of God, praying over the promises of God, but as we begin fulfilling the very purpose for which we have been created for. And as you and I do that, the the result is incredible blessings in our life. Uh, One of those being hope itself. And so today, what I want to do is I want to introduce to you Eight things about your calling that literally come from hundreds of different verses throughout the Bible. I've worked them down to these eight things. The first one is this. The first thing that we learn about our calling is that my calling is a gift from God. It is a gift. It's not earned. I don't deserve it. I I don't work for it. I can't bargain, beg, and borrow in order to get it. No, it is a gift. Take a look at Galatians 1, verse 6. God, by his grace through Christ, has called you to become his people. Will you circle by his grace? Now, what is grace? Well, it's a lot of things. Grace is undeserved kindness. Grace is uh, God giving you what you need and not what you deserve. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is the fact that God, knowing all about your life before you even came to this world, about your flops, failures, and fumbles, still chose to create you, still chose to love you. Folks, that is the grace of God. So what I'm saying is this, that your salvation is a part of your calling. Take a look at 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not just, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Will you circle the word called and grace? God gives you and I a calling because God just simply wants to give you and I a calling in life. It's his grace. It's his undeserved kindness towards us. Circle the word purpose. Because this leads to the second thing that we learn from the Bible about our calling, which is I am called for God's purpose. Not my purpose, not other people's purpose, not your purpose, but God's. God didn't make you and me for ourselves. No, God made us for himself. We have been made by God and we are made for God. And until you and I understand that, life isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. We're going to live frustrated, hopeless lives. God's calling is about his dream for your life and not your dream for your life. It is about his purpose for your life and not your purpose for your life. 
A great example of this is a story about twin brothers, Esau and um, Jacob. They were the twin brothers, uh, or the twin sons of um, Isaac. And and Isaac was the, the son of Abraham. So these two Kids, Jacob and Esau, were the grandchildren of, um, of Abraham. And grandparents just rock. How many of us agree with that one? I am. I got three. Man, I tell you, it's awesome, okay? So this is about Abraham's grandchildren. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here it is. <laughs> and according to tradition, the firstborn, which was Esau in this case, was supposed to get the blessing. They were supposed to inherit uh, the, the family kind of wealth and t- things like that. That was just the custom of the day. It was like saying to the firstborn, you are really special. You are number one. You are awesome and great. And then when number two would come along, well, we're glad you're here. You know, that's kind of how it was back then, okay? And God didn't like that. He says, I'm choosing the second one to get the blessing, even though this was against the cultural norms. And God decided to do this before Rebecca, who was their mother, before they were born. Now, Paul picks up on this theme. In Romans 9, verse, verse 11, he says this. Before the two boys were born, God told Rebecca, the older will serve the younger. This was before the boys had done anything good or bad. God said this so that the one chosen would be chosen because of God's own plan. He, is cho- he was chosen because he was the one God wanted to call, not because of, of anything he did. And this was the exact opposite of the customs of the day. This was before they were born. Folks, they didn't merit it. Jacob didn't. He hadn't done anything to earn it. God in his plan just gave it to him. Now fortunately for myself, I came to understand my purpose in life in my teens. I was 19 years old. I hadn't done anything, and I sure in the world didn't deserve anything. God, in his mercy, made a breakthrough in my heart where I went from a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus. I was a fan. You'd come up to me and say, hey, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church once every three or four years, I guess, you know. I was a fan of Jesus. Oh, yeah, I like him. But then I became a follower of Christ, where I said, God, I'm making you the boss of my life. And I will say anything, and I will do anything, and I will go anywhere you want me to go. And God has taken that, and he brought me from Missouri, a town that I thought I would live and die in, to uh, Plano, Texas. And who would in the world, when I was 19, would know and understand that God was going to be sending us as a church to Cameroon? But I said, God, you're the boss of my life. I'll do anything and go anywhere that you want. Now, when I made that decision to go from fan to follower, you want to know what happened? Nothing. Cloud didn't part, beam of light didn't come down, and I didn't hear a voice. George, I'm glad you're in. I never thought it would happen. But it was a turning point. Because at that point in time, I then became bivocational. I had my jobs and I had my calling. 
And I had a lot of jobs. I was a landscape designer. I was a dishwasher. I was a cook. I was a truck driver. I was a pharmacy tech. I taught at the university. I had the job of even being a pastor. My jobs changed a lot. But my calling never changed. You have a calling on your life. And it is larger than your job. Because your job will change again and again. When you retire and you're still living, your calling isn't done. That's why I tell people, don't retire, re-enlist. Don't retire, re-enlist. God has a calling on your life. And until you get taken to heaven, he still wants you to be seeking to fulfill it. And that calling is unique. It's unique to you. Take a look at this verse in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Will you circle the word workmanship? That word in the Greek is poema. It's the, the word for poem. He's saying that we are God's poem. We are God's masterpiece. We are God's work. Of art. Now you hear that and you might think, well, I'm not, I'm no masterpiece. If you think that way, it's only because you don't understand the value that God has put into you. But Pastor George, I'm just trash. I'm nothing at all. You don't understand. When you wake up in the morning and you see yourself, and again, you look uglier than sin at that time, okay? I've, I've seen some of you early in the morning go, going to the grocery store. Man, it's, woo, it's a nightmare, okay? With eye boogers and crusty boogers in your nose and your hair here and everywhere else. My question to you, though, is this. When you look into that mirror on the scale of one to ten, do you see yourself as a ten? Because God does. But you won't experience that 10 until you begin to fulfill the very purpose for which God created you. When you start to do what God has designed you to do, what he's created you for, five things, but one primarily, I'm going to tell you, you're going to feel a rush that you have never, ever felt before. Now those things... God calls you to do are those good works. They are your contributions to the world. You weren't put here to eat, eat, sleep, and die. You weren't here to just breathe and take up space and die. No, you were put here to contribute. You weren't put here as consumers like we like to do. No, we've been put here to contribute. Your life's contribution is part of of your calling. Now here's the cool thing. We all have different good works. We all have different contributions. Yours are different from mine. And mine are different from yours. But it all works together to get the job done. Now circle the phrase, prepared in advance. That means long, 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 long time ago, before you, before you even thought of it, God had thought of your purpose. And this leads to the third thing that we learn from the Bible about 
our calling, which is that God chose my calling before I was born. God chose it. Let me show you a few verses here. Galatians 1, verse 15. It pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. This is Paul's talking. Notice what God says to Jeremiah. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. God shaped you for your calling before you were even born. That means you have custom-designed genes. God in his sovereignty predestined your parents to come together, I don't know, from opposite ends of the world to create you. You have custom-designed genes. You are a custom-designed baby. And God didn't make a mistake when he made you. You may look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm just broken, I got this and I got that. But God says, no, you've been designed the right way. And I'm gonna help you to discover who I am and the purpose that I have for your life just the way you are. I think of a, a life, a guy that I follow, and you've probably heard of him, but he's a guy who has no arms and no legs that has impacted more people for Christ than us put together. His name is Nick, and I can't pronounce his last name, but I want you to listen just a little bit about what he says about being a miracle. Take a look at this. When I was 23 years old, I was speaking in front of a small crowd, and I saw a little boy raised up above by his father. And this kid had no arms and no legs. Little Daniel Martinez was 19 months old. I was so in awe of what I saw, I stopped the presentation and asked the father to bring him up. I was looking down at little Daniel and he was looking up at me with a big smile. And I couldn't give him a high five, so I gave him a low two. He laughed and everyone else started tearing up. Why? Because it was a miracle. I hugged his mom and I hugged his dad and I witnessed how my parents hugged his parents and they cried. You know, it just struck me so strongly that when you don't get a miracle, you can still be a miracle. I went to his school and he was getting bullied and after my speech about love and acceptance, he's now the coolest kid in the school. You can be a miracle too. And I know. I know because I've been there. I look at my life and I say, God, how can you use me? I have ADD, I have HD, I have dyslexia. My wife is always telling, George, you just said that backwards. And I, I look at her and I says, but did you get it? She said, yes, well, that's good enough, okay? And we look at ourselves in the mirror and we don't see the miracle as Nick talks about. What I'm trying to encourage you is this. Don't underestimate what God can do through your brokenness, however you view your body. Now, this is our first memory verse. When you came in, you were given six. There are six of these in one ring. Look for week one. It's Isaiah 44, verse 2. Did you get these? I want everyone to have one of these. If you didn't, you can go out in the lobby and get it, okay? But I want you to memorize this verse because these memory verses are going to help move you on the pathway to the purpose for which God created you. 
And Isaiah 44, verse 2, says this. I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. First, it says, I am your creator. What does that mean? It means that you are not an accident. If you think that your life is an accident, you will act like an accident. You will be like a car without a steering wheel, and you will run into this and hurt that person, and you will run into this and hurt that person, and ultimately, you will be hurting yourself. You are no accident. God in his sovereignty planned you out. It says, you were in my care. That means you are deeply loved. God looks at you, and he says these words, you are my beloved. I love you deeply. And then it says, before you were born. God planned you before you were born. Now, I want, to memor- I want us to memorize this verse. Because it is going to help you when you feel discouraged. When you feel like your life is out of control and you are an accident. Now, to memorize a verse, you start with the address first and then you end with the address. The address is Isaiah 44, verse 2. Let's all try that. Isaiah, I don't think everyone said that. I want you to memorize this. This is a great verse. George, I feel like my life is an accident. Isaiah 44, verse 2. Isaiah 44, verse 2. I am your creator. You were in my care even before I was born. Now, I want you to memorize that. And the best way to memorize isn't just with the eyes. It's with the ears. So you look at it. And then you say it out loud, Isaiah 44, verse 2, I am your creator, you were in my care even before I was born. Isaiah 44, verse 2. Get it? Good? Give it away. People are hopeless in our culture because they don't think their life has meaning. And God says, I have created you. And I have watched everything about you. I've heard your heartbeat. I've I've got the hairs numbered on your head. I know everything that you're going to do. You are my beloved. And people need to hear that. So don't keep it to yourself. When you go into the workplace, you share that. When you're on the soccer fields with your kids, you share that. When some kid has scraped his knee and you're there as a rescuing parent, you share that verse. You have a creator that loves you deeply. Does that make sense? Truly what I'm wanting to start is not just you being, so to speak, a member. Oh yeah, I know what my purpose is in life. No, I want it to get from your mind to your feet where you begin to model it. And then you begin to mentor others. And then from mentoring to multiplying and seeing it spread so that we create a movement in, this, in our community that brings hope and lifts people up. So that is our memory verse. Isaiah 44, verse 2. And if you sign up for that, each Monday will be the memory verse for that week. This leads us to the fourth thing about our calling, and that is this, out of the Bible, that my sins, my mistakes, my flops, failures, and fumbles don't change my call. 
And this is the one I love the best. It doesn't matter how messed up I've been. It doesn't matter how messed up I've been by, due to myself or due to others. It doesn't change God's call on my life. The call of God that was given to me before I was born and reaffirmed to me when I said yes to Jesus Christ. It doesn't change it. A good example of this is, is Paul, who was called to be an apostle. Take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. By calling me, Paul says, into his service, Jesus has judged me trustworthy, even though I used to be a blasphemer and a persecutor and contemptuous. Mercy, however, was shown me because while I lacked faith, I acted in ignorance. Will you circle that last phrase? While I lacked faith, I acted in, in, uh, in uh, ignorance. He's saying, I did a lot of stupid things while I was growing up. How many of you have done a lot of stupid things when you were growing up? May I see your hands? Let's get them up there. Self-confession right now, okay? How many of us are still growing up? Yeah. I mean, dumbness doesn't just stop after you're a teenager, right? We do a lot of dumb things in life. But here is the good news. God works all of those flops, failures, and fumbles into his plan for your life. What I love about God is that he is green. He likes to recycle things. He likes to recycle the stupid decisions that we have made. And what he does is when we make those, he walks beside us and he says, you are my beloved. We'll work this out together. Wow. Now God not only says that your sins don't change your calling, but the things that other people have done to you where you've been bruised and beaten, maybe by sexual abuse or physical abuse or financial or whatever, it doesn't change your calling because, and it doesn't change your value at all. God says, I'll take all the bad and ugly stuff and I will take the sting out of it. So I want you to write this down. God has no plan B for your life. A lot of times when we get hurt by others or a lot of times when we hurt ourselves through dumb decisions, we think, well, I've messed it up. I guess I'll have to live out plan B. And God says, no, 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 no. I am sovereign. And I know the end from the beginning and I have worked your mistakes and the things that have been done to you into my plan for your life, and there is only one plan. There are not two plans or five plans. There is one plan, and it's plan A. Now, the fifth thing that the Bible teaches us about our calling is this. My calling is permanent. Now, what I mean by that is that nobody can take it away from you. People can't. Parents can't, partners can't, peers can't. Nobody can take God's calling away from you. They may try to make you into something that you are not, but they can't take God's calling away from you. Nobody can do that. Satan can't take God's calling away from you. 
you can't take God's calling away from you. And God certainly won't take his calling away from you because he's the one that gave it to you. And he says your calling is permanent. Take a look at Romans chapter 11 in verse 29. God's gifts and his calling are irrevocable. That means they're permanent. Now the expression of your calling may change. The expression of your calling may change. The timing of your calling, the when, the where, the how, it may change. But your calling never changes. So what does that mean? Simply this. If your calling is permanent, it means that your calling is not your job. Because your jobs change all the time, do they not? I was sitting down thinking about this, and I figured I had about seven careers in my lifetime and about 12 different jobs. We change jobs and careers all the time, but the calling of God is permanent. No matter what happens in your life, no matter who does it to you, no matter what you do, your calling is permanent. Now this leads to the sixth thing that we discover in the Bible about our calling, which is this, that my calling is connected to other people. My life dream, my life vision, my purpose in life is connected to other people. Now what that means is this, you can't fulfill your purpose by yourself. You need others. You need other people. So will you write this down? Calling and community go together. It's like parts of your body. If you cut off a part of your body, guess what? It's worthless. It's going to dry up and shrivel. It'll never live to its full potential until it is reconnected to the body. If you lose an eye and it's rolling down the aisles and it just stays there, it's done, okay? Your hand, your arm, your feet, across the board. You have to be connected to the body in order to fulfill the very purpose for which God has created you. And the Bible calls the church the body of Christ. So how do you get connected to the body of Christ? By joining and becoming a part of a local church. And then I would even take it a little deeper. By getting involved in a small group. That's why I encourage the weeks before. In fact, this is the last week that you can sign up because we're going to take this material deeper through these small groups. And if you're not in one, you go out there and talk with someone. We'll get you in a group because it's starting. I want you to understand your pathway to purpose. And that happens as you are connected with other people. Take a look at a couple of verses here. Ephesians 4.4. We are all one body. We have the same spirit, and we have all been called to the same glorious future hope. Will you circle? All one body, same spirit, all been called. Folks, it's only as we are connected to the body of Christ that we're able to fulfill our calling. Then Hebrews 3.1, brothers and sisters, notice how it's more intimate, it's smaller. You are our holy partners in a heavenly calling. You see, other people in your small group are going to help you. I'm in a number. I just don't teach it. Folks, I seek to live it. I've been in one community group. We call it Bob's group, okay? And I've been into it for 17 years. And I can tell you, our small group that we've been in has helped me fulfill my calling. 
I'm with CEOs every Monday, and they help me fulfill my calling. I'm with a neighborhood group, and they help me fulfill my calling. You and I cannot fulfill the calling that we have apart from others. And so we have to be connected as family. As I like to say, it is better to be together. The seventh one is this. God empowers what he calls me to do. The Bible teaches that whatever God has called you to do, he empowers you to do it. In other words, God, whatever assignment God has given you, whatever purpose it is, whatever mission it is, he is going to enable you to do it. He is going to equip you to do it. He is going to empower you to do it. God would never come to you and say, I want you to do this and leave it up to yourself. No, he is going to enable you, equip you, and he's going to empower you. Now, once you understand what your purpose is in life, this is how it works. What you do first is that you commit your life to Christ. Once you have committed your life to Christ, Jesus then commits himself to you and his resources. That is how it works. Commitment first, and then he's committed himself and his resources. That's why in our purpose statement, we believe a great commitment. Commitment comes first. Take a look at Ephesians 4.1. I now urge you to live the life, that is that commitment, to which God called you. Now, how do you live that life? How do you make that commitment? I say you do so by a card that I gave you. It's learn. Pull that card out. This card is for you. And I want you to write down this acrostic. And I want you to put it on your refrigerator so that you can look at it every day. Because if how you commit yourself to Christ is by learning. you got to learn. Okay? L stands for this. Listen to God's word daily. And if you sign up for that text, I'll shoot you a verse, and you can read that and listen to what God is saying through that verse, okay? L stands for listen to God's word daily. E stands enlist friends to discuss with, to ask questions, to, um, uh, to maybe be corrected on some of your understanding. Enlist friends. Start to give your life away. A, attend all six messages Get in a small group and attend those and learn. Take this deeper. R, remember and reinforce what you're learning through a memory verse. Isaiah 44, verse 2 this week. And then in, now. Do it now. Now you may be sitting there and you may be thinking, well, George, I've, I already do those things. I mean, I, I'm in God's Word and I memorize verses and I'm in a small group and, and I go to church on a regular basis and yeah, yeah, yeah. Great! What I want you to do then is not just be one who knows. I want you to be one who models and then become a mentor, mentoring, and then become a multiplier because that's what our church has done through the leadership of this church. We haven't just kept it to ourselves. We've multiplied it. And now we're in Cameroon, and we're creating a movement. And I want to create a movement right here in Collin County. So what you get it, 
good? Give it away. Give it away. Don't hold it to your, yourself. So, here's what I'm encouraging you to do. Is find someone. And give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Take a look at this verse, 2 Thessalonians 1.11. That is why we always pray for you. This is another prayer of mine. Asking our God to help you live the kind of life he called you to live. We pray that with his power, God will help you do the good things you want and perform the works that come from your faith. Circle, do the things. It's not enough just to know them. You gotta walk it out. You walk, you crawl, you walk, you run. And circle, perform the works. God says, if you do this, you can count on me and I'll, I'll come through. Take a look at 1 Thessalonians 5.24. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And when you start doing that, your eyes are gonna go, Wow, God is using me. And you always learn faster when you share it with other people. Now there's one more. God's calling is a gift. He's called you for his purpose. He's chose you. Before, he chose that calling before you were born. Your flops, failures, and fumbles don't change that calling. Your calling is permanent. Your calling is connected to other people. Your, God empowers you to fulfill that calling. And the last one is this. There is a prize for living out my calling. I'm excited about this. Take a look at Ephesians, uh, or Philippians 3 verse 14. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says there's a prize when we get to heaven. Pastor George, what's that prize? I wish I could describe it to you. I can't. I don't know what, I don't, words aren't adequate to describe what God has in store for heaven for you and I as we seek to fulfill the very purpose for which we've been created. Paul said, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. But what I can say is this, once you and I enter into those pearly gates, all that God has in heaven, he will share with you. His kingdom, his power, and his glory. He'll say, come on in, my son, my daughter. Come on in, my beloved. This is all yours. You are a co-heir with Christ Jesus. Let's party. Life on this side of eternity, we need hope. But it is a test. And God says, I'm testing you now. And if you will commit to be who I have created you to be, and to fulfill the purpose for which I have created you, this is all yours. So church, let's create a movement. And let's start with ourselves. Let's learn. Let's listen. And E-A-R-N, I can't think of the rest of it. Let's pray.
Lord, you knew about this day way before we even thought of it. Before we even became a twinkle in our mom and dad's eyes. You thought of us and you looked at us as your beloved. You've said that you have called us. And God, I pray for our church. I pray for us, God, that you would open up the eyes of our hearts, that we might truly see the very purposes for which you've created us. That as we take these steps, as we crawl, as we walk, as we begin to run, that we will discover the very purpose for which we've been created. That we would be able to confidently say, I know why I'm here. God made me for this, this purpose. And that, Lord, we would model it. And that we would mentor others. And that we would multiply our life, God. Our world needs hope. And we've got to stop listening to our feelings. And we've got to start listening to you. And we've got to start praying over the promises of God. And we have to fulfill the very purpose for which you've created us. By your grace and your favor. God, we want our world to change. And so God, help us. Help our church. In your son's name we pray. Amen.